Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddini amma ba'd. Allahumma la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana wa zidna ilman wa amalan. Ya Karim. All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Him, we seek His assistance, and we seek His guidance. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evils of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon the none can misguide that person. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon the none can guide him. And peace and salutations and blessings be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one who said, تَرَقْتُ فِيكُمْ مَا إِنْ تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِ لَنْ تَضِلُّ بَعْدِي أَبَدًا كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّتِي Peace and salutations be upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who said that I leave with you two things. And if you remain steadfast upon them both, then you will never ever go astray. These two things are the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the outset to make this a blessed gathering, uh, one that surely has come together for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has come together for the sole purpose of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's worship and nothing else for everything else is secondary. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a sitting that we benefit from, especially on the day of Qiyamah, when we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this sitting is from those actions that we did in our time in this world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was proud of and made it a means of us earning His mercy, His divine mercy and inshallah entry into Jannah. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering that hears a good word and follows it. And to make this a gathering that's forgiven upon its departure. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to gather us in Jannah in the same way that He has gathered us here uh, today. Ameen. Uh, the topic today is back to basics before the grave. This is a topic that can be tackled from a few angles. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to solidify my tongue and thoughts and inshallah share that which is beneficial to us all and our endeavor for the hereafter. My dear brothers and sisters uh, and mothers and fathers, those who are listening online, uh, I have mashallah a younger audience in front of me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator, he's the sustainer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the nourisher, the protector, the giver of life and death the giver of success and disgrace, and indeed the only one worthy of worship. And we live our life witnessing these qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, in some instances more than others, we've seen how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in recent times has given success to certain people and disgrace to others whom we thought would not uh, see the face of regret and disgrace in our lifetime. Uh, and we've seen how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has turned situations from from the extreme right to the extreme left, from a position of serenity to a position of turmoil. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge of all. And we as believers have to be those that recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these happenings. Otherwise, uh, we haven't done justice to this iman and this gift which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. If we wake up with the waking of every day, and see the world with the eye of the disbeliever, then indeed we have done a great injustice to this belief and gift. And what a gift, the gift of Islam and the gift of Iman, a gift that we never asked for and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed us with. So uh, we feel special, but with this 
special feeling, we understand responsibility. That our responsibility is far greater than the responsibility of earning and putting food on the table for ourselves and our families and the responsibility of school fees and all the other importances of the life that we live in. And when we understand these attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we also understand, and this is a follow-up from what I've said, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen us. We understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He creates what He wants and He gives a special precedence and station and placement to certain things over others. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as He does what He wants, in the same breath He gives a special station to certain matters and certain things of His creation over others. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the months of the year and He gave a special station to the month of Ramadan and He gave a special station to the four sacred months and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the year and He gave a special precedence and station to the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah and in those ten days He gave an even special station to the day of Arafah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the nights of the year and He gave a special station and precedence to uh, the last ten nights during the month of Ramadan and He gave an even special importance to uh, the night of power Laylatul Qadr and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the week and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a special precedence to the day of Jumu'ah and in the same breath Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He created time He created place and he gave a special precedence to certain places over other spaces. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Mecca and blessed Medina and blessed the lands of Sham, right? The stretched lands of Sham. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many places in, in his book speaks about Sham as the blessed land, the blessed land. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those that are able to visit Masjid Al-Aqsa in our life and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for his prophets to worship him there and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to take Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Masjid al-Haram the place where Islam saw its advent to Masjid al-Aqsa and then raised in a concept known as al-Isra uh, the travel by night and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him to the heavens in a concept known as al-Mi'raj which is the ascension to the heavens so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen these places. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created time and place, He has created the angels. And there are many, many angels. There are many, many angels. Numerous amounts of angels, a number that we can't ascertain. We know that the Baytul Ma'mur is visited by angels on a daily basis and once they visit it, they never return to it again. Subhanallah. So this is how many angels Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from them gave a special precedence and special station to Mikail and Israfil and Jibreel alayhi salam and even greater status to Jibreel alayhi salam. And this is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the same breath, He created mankind, yourself and myself and Adam alayhi salam and all those that came after Him until the time that we witness and live in right now and including those that will come after us. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created mankind, He gave a special precedence to His prophets, His anbiya, alayhimus salatu wassalam. And from the prophets, He chose from them messengers. And those messengers had a special station. 
and from those messengers, he chose from them the ulul azmi min al-rusul, the prophets of absolute resolution, from Nuh and Musa and Isa and Ibrahim and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa alayhi salatu wa salam. And from these prophets of absolute resolution, he chose from them two and gave them a special precedence and place. And that was given to Ibrahim alayhi salam and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for they were given the title of Khalilullah. And from those two, he gave a special precedence to Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses and gives a precedence to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked at mankind after that that were not prophets and chose from them as well. And he gave a special choosing and station to those who he made the companions of his messengers. Those that he sent, he provided for them companions. And he chose from mankind those people and gave them a special station and a special mention. And from all the companions and disciples, he chose those that would be the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, those who would carry on the message after him, for he indeed was a special prophet sent to all of mankind. And he indeed needed people who were capable of taking on this heavy responsibility. And those were the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an, he says in a statement that has a, a chain which is considered hasan, uh, and acceptable, so the narration is acceptable. He says, "Inna Allah nazar fi qulubil ibad," that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala looked at the hearts of the worshippers. فوجب قلب محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم, and he saw the heart of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, and he saw this heart as خير قلوب العباد, as the best of the hearts of his worshippers. فاستفاه لنفسه, thus he chose it uh, for himself. فبتعثه برسالته, and he sent him. With this universal message. And then he looked at the hearts of the believers. Muhammad, after the heart of Muhammad. And he found the hearts of his companions. Muhammad. To be the best of the hearts of the worshippers. And he made these companions the ministers and companions of Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And from these many companions, we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose ten, and they were the ten that were given glad tidings of Jannah whilst they lived their life in this world. And from those ten, there were the four special ones uh, headed by Abu Bakr radiallahu an, and Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an, and uh, Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhuma. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, substantiating everything that I've said, Wallahu يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates what He wants. And He chooses and gives a precedence to that which He wants. مَا كَانَ لَهُمُ There's no one who has any involvement in the decision-making process or a choice in who gets a precedence and station over others. Right? So it is with this long introduction into how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses I want us to understand how special we are. Yourself and myself. Those that have been born, having declared the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and accepted the prophecy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is not something that everybody has done. Even though the evidences are manifestly clear, and abundantly many, however we know that from the generations after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there were many 
that did not accept the message. And in fact, there were many that accepted it and went astray after its acceptance. So not only should we be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Islam, but guidance in Islam. The fact that we are upon guidance with this testimony of faith. So when we've taken this introduction, we feel that we have been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from everybody in creation chose, as He chose companions for His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He chose those that will be followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this universal message. And from them he chose those that will remain guided upon this message. And from those he chose people who will act upon the message. And from those he chose people who will propagate the message. So everything we do we should feel this alignment and this attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this ta'alluq ma'al khaliq. This attachment to, to our Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should not take it for granted or feel that we're just anybody. We should feel that we are special, right? And as we will see uh, throughout the course of this talk, that this gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, it makes us special, but it comes with a responsibility. And again, this introduction is profound because when we look at the station that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's more amazing when we look at them before they were given the guidance of Islam. If we look at these companions, they were from tribes and people that worshipped idols, that could not fathom the concept of Tawheed and worshipping one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They could not understand how vulgar and immoral it was to create an idol and prostrate to it when it was something that this person who's prostrating created with his or her own hands. This was something they couldn't understand. And for you and I sitting here, uh, we would gauge this to be in the category of that which is considered common sense. So this makes us understand the, the level of their beginnings and where they came from. And this should spur us further. For they were people that, yes, worshipped idols. And they were people that treated women as a commodity. And they were people that were not diligent with regards to the Kaaba and how they observed the Tawaf. And they were people that used their minds when it came to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and swayed away from the teachings of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Thus they tweaked the Hajj, right? They tweaked the Hajj and made it a Hajj that matched their whims and fancies and made the day of Arafah a standing on or in the plains of Muzdalifah. Because Muzdalifah was part of the Haram and Arafah is not considered to be part of the Haram. So they tweaked it irrespective of the, the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So this was, these were the companions before Islam. And they laughed about their way after Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them and they saw the error of their ways. These are people, my dear brothers and sisters, who persecuted the Muslims for accepting Islam. Yes, they became Muslims after and saw the beauty of Islam. But they were people who persecuted those that said La ilaha illallah. And we will come across some examples uh, further on uh, during this talk. And they were people that you and I would say were indeed wretched and do not deserve to be mentioned after them. Or even during their time, they never had a way of anything worthy. It was a manner of selfishness and not selflessness. It was a manner of living for the day and everything that this dunya could give. And the primary result of their falling was their denial of the hereafter. They didn't accept this concept of the hereafter and then being taken to account for their sins. So they lived in this dunya as they willed and as they pleased. So this was the state of these companions. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them extremely beloved to us. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored them with Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them people who you and I today make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are gathered with them in, in the akhirah, in Jannah. We aspire to be with these same companions. Radiallahu anhum ajma'in. They are people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised their station by placing ayat in the Quran that will be recited till the day of Qiyamah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they are people who deserve to be known and deserve to be mentioned and whose lives deserve to be studied. Radiallahu anhum ajma'in. The bottom line, my dear brothers and sisters, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them men. Made a man from them men. So these were individual, they were people who individually we would call a man, but for them we would call them men. Because they were people of barakah, they were people of action, they were active and proactive. And they took this gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them, and with every breath that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them, they strived to make or to magnify this gift and take maximum from this gift and give due diligence and justice to this gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. They never took it as just a gift, rather they took it as a responsibility. And it is in this pretext and speech that I bring about this concept of responsibility and how it was responsibility that made them people that we aspire to be with in Jannah, in the hereafter. So understand where they came from. They come from beginnings that you and I haven't seen because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us and gifted us. We don't have these beginnings, right? We don't have these beginnings. And we shouldn't feel despondent. Even though, yes, we've lived a life being wasteful, irrespective of whatever station we've achieved in the lives that we've lived. But a believer never ever feels satisfied. We always know that there's room for improvement. And as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised Abu Huraira radiallahu an, that when you look into matters of the hereafter, look at those who have done more and don't look at those who have done less. But when it comes to matters of the dunya, look at those who have done less. So be inspired. When you look at the beginnings of these companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, and where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed them, their beginnings were far worse than our beginnings, no doubt. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them and gave them a station, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose us and gave us and can give us a station, insha'Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا مَا عَاهَدُوا اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ Allah says, from the believers are rijal. And this is the concept of, of men when we talk about one man. Right? One person, but as good as many. Allah says, from them are rijal. Are those صَدَقُوا مَا عَاهَدُوا اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ They are those that were true to their covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَضَى نَحْبَهِ from them are those that fulfilled their obligations. The scholars of tafsir have differed with regards to what is referred to when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says fulfilled obligations. Does it mean that they fought the battle and passed away as a martyr? Or does it mean that they fulfilled their general obligations? And what is correct and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best is this ayah is encompassing. It means that they fulfilled their overall obligations. Before the battlefield, after the battlefield, and whilst they were on the battlefield, and when it came to matters pertaining to da'wah, and so on and so forth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَنْتَظِرْ And some of them are still waiting to fulfill those promises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and those obligations. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا بَدَّلُوا تَبْدِيلًا And they never changed. And in, these, in this ayah are lessons for us. Are lessons for us. That from us also are those 
that made covenants with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and put forth our willingness to be those that support the message of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there could be from us those who have done and treaded the path of fulfilling this promise. But there could be those that are still waiting to fulfill this promise. So understand from this ayah that even if you are waiting, don't become despondent. But start for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given mention to those who are waiting to fulfill the covenant. But what's most important in everything is that you don't change. That you don't change. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا بَدَّلُوا تَبْدِيلًا That they never changed. And my dear brothers and sisters, this is why we read about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and his suffering because he said la ilaha illallah and how he was beaten by Utbah ibn Rabi'ah beaten severely and was saved with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of his clan because of his clan right and this was the way of the, of the Arabs the bond of blood was the most powerful bond that they understood and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa came and said that the bond of Islam and Iman is more powerful than the bond of blood. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا Allah has commanded you not to worship anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And to be dutiful to your parents. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qualified the instruction by teaching us that this dutifulness happens within the sphere of the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that there's no obedience to the creation in the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this teaches us that the bond of Islam is greater. And alhamdulillah, this is what we all share here. What we share by Allah, those here and those virtually here, we share the bond of Islam, of la ilaha illallah. And this is a great gift again from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we read about men, we read about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And we read about his beating and persecution. And we read how Allah saved him with his clan. And they promised to take revenge on Utbah if Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu passed away. But this Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, even though he was beaten unconscious and saved by his clan and taken to his people, in the middle of his people, when he woke up, the first words that he uttered when people were rejoicing the fact that he hasn't passed away is what is the condition of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Right? These are men. It's not man. It's people who understand who he is and understand his message and aspire to inspire. And this is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him a station, a station like no other. It is men that make us read about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. A man that Allah blessed with ra'i and understanding before Islam and a greater understanding after Islam. A man that Allah gave position amongst the Quraysh whilst he was young when his father left Darul Nadwa, a place where the heads of the Quraysh would sit and gather. His father, the father of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, al-Khattab left Darul Nadwa in his age and passed on the baton to Umar, even though Umar was far younger than the elders of the tribes of the Quraysh that would sit in Darul Nadwa and discuss the conditions of Mecca and the conditions in the surrounding areas, in matters pertaining to trade and everything else, and so on and so forth. Umar was given the station, he was given this ra'i, and it was this Umar who we know is a man, a man that when he walks, when he takes a fanj, when he takes a path, shaitan takes a path different to him. Which man do you know like this, who has been praised upon the tongue of the best person to walk this earth, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who never uttered anything from himself? 
Everything he said was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says this about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu This man who gave the suggestion in Darul Nadwa, that we will deal with the Islam and its appearance by persecuting those in our tribes who have accepted Islam to cause a form of deterrent to those who are flirting with the idea. This is Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu But even though he chose this path, if he saw from people in his tribe, those that were thinking about the idea of Islam, but were keeping it hidden, he will announce to them that I have more respect for you, that you announce what you're feeling than keeping it hidden and acting as a coward. Yes, it will incur me to take action on you as a person who has a position of responsibility in my clan, but I will take action on a man that I respect. This is the understanding of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. And the books of Sirah are filled with it, right? There's a two-volume work just on the life of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, and the, the essence of authenticating the information in it is immense. So this is Umar. He was very focused and he, he was a person who understood matters. And the only reason why he took heavy means against those that accepted Islam because he saw Islam as a means of causing disunity amongst uh, his people and him as a person of ra'i and understanding and a person who was in charge of the affairs of his tribe he was a person that needed to take action and rectify the situation but this was till a point because he was a man when the light of guidance entered with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the dua of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he saw Islam as not a means of creating disunity but a means of creating unity and this was the man that we call men who walked out straight to Darul Nadwa, the same place that he participated in and announced the Quraysh and said, Ya Ma'ashara Quraysh, O people of the Quraysh, I inform you that I am a Muslim. This is Umar bin Khattab radiallahu And the same Umar who went to his people and announced his Islam and asked each and every one that he lashed to come take their revenge, to either forgive or take their revenge. This is Umar bin Khattab radiallahu not a man, but men a person who valued the gift of Islam and was going to do something with it. Not treat it as, as, uh, as, as a person who uh, gets born to a man who is a king and a mother who is a queen and he, he gets deemed a prince, takes it as something that is destined for him. No, he took it as something destined, a gift plus a responsibility. And he wanted rectification immediately. So he stood in front of his people and he said, I left you yesterday, today, whoever wants to take justice, and get the right from Umar ibn Khattab, then come and do it today, for rather today than on the day of Qiyamah. Look at this belief. Yesterday denying the hereafter, and today accepting it, and ready to face the rugged road that comes as a result of accepting this message. You and I have accepted Islam in peace and security. Subhanallah. These people accepted it with difficulty. And this is Umar, who then went to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and said, Alasna ala al-haqq. Are we not upon the truth? Ya Rasulullah, O Prophet of Allah. And he said, then we will march to the Kaaba and observe the Salah, for we have nothing to hide. This is the haqq and it should be made apparent. And they marched in a famous march to the Kaaba, the believers with the believers flanked by Hamza and flanked by Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhumah. And the heads of the Quraysh in Darul Nadwa could only look on and say, how can we inflict persecution on a group flanked by Umar and Hamza radiallahu anhumah. These are, are men. O servants of Allah and O children of Adam. It is men that cause us to read the story of Bilal ibn Rabah, the Abyssinian slave who, unlike Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, 
And Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he never had tribes to protect him. He was a slave, he was merchandise, and he accepted the message. And such a great resolve that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. And this is ajeeb. Because he also could have uttered disbelief for the sake of it, but he chose not to. He could have uttered it with his tongue and not with his heart, as others did to survive this persecution. But he continued with the persecution, not to give the kuffar the benefit of saying that Bilal has renounced and denounced one Allah and has accepted our idols. Thus he was made to wear armor of steel and baked in the desert heat and lashed in the desert heat and lashed day after day after day. Such a lashing that the people who lashed him became tired lashing him. But he would be a person who valued Islam and said, Ahadun Ahad, Ahadun Ahad, that Allah is one, Allah is one. Subhanallah, yesterday you were a disbeliever and today you are announcing Allah is one. In spite of this persecution, it is easy to go back to what you are. You haven't yet moved on and seen miracles and witnessed success in battles and witnessing the Islamic empire becoming strong. The Muslims are a handful, but you still choose to take persecution. My dear brothers and sisters, in front of men, who are you and who are me? Who are we? And what have we done for Islam? That we feel that we have a right to laugh out loud and we have a right to our enjoyment and pleasures and a right to spending our wealth how we wish and the holidays that we take and the expenses that we consume. Who are we to feel we have a right in front of people? An Abyssinian slave who had nobody to protect him but he chose still. He was allowed to utter with his tongue but he valued one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he chose to make this his end. I rather die saying Allah is one rather than giving the Quraysh a second of pleasure that I've accepted their gods. La ilaha illallah. Where are we in front of these men? Do, can we even call ourselves a man? Or half a man? Or quarter of a man? In terms of the message of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Bilal ibn Rabah radiallahu an. Not only was he lashed, he was ridiculed. He was made to walk through the streets of Mecca with children to follow behind him, scoffing at him and insulting him. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Bilal was not a man. He was men. He was men. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding.